Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. Everybody doing okay? Have you moved on from Thanksgiving? Are you already thinking Christmas thoughts? It happens, doesn't it? It happens. And we may even have some of those folks in here in the room who started listening to Christmas music somewhere around mid-September. That's okay. That's all right. I love Christmas. I'm excited about that as well. Uh, But I'm so, so glad that you're with us for a very special kind of Thanksgiving weekend together as a church family. A lot of people are traveling, and uh, we've got some some guests who are in today who are uh, visiting their family here in Murfreesboro. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Kids are with us this morning in the gathering. We're so thankful to have our, our our young ones here with us today. Uh, so glad you're with us as well. But this morning, we're going to jump into uh, to a teaching today uh, that's going to just challenge us one more time before we move full on into Christmas, this idea of giving thanks and what it is for us to be men and women of gratitude to God. I want you to think about for a moment what it would be like if a foreign army came into our country And somehow they were able to defeat our military, and then somehow they were able to capture a bunch of the survivors and then load them up on ships or airplanes or whatever and take them back to another country. Imagine just for a moment what that would be like to be a captive in that foreign land where you didn't speak the language, absolutely nothing was familiar. You had been probably defeated and you had lost people you had loved and you had known hardship and terror and death and loss and all kinds of awful, awful things. And then you were just ripped from your home, maybe separated from your family and you find yourself in a place where everything in you just screams, I don't belong here. This is not what I was made for. This is not who I am. This is not our land. This is not our people. This is not our language. This is not our food. These are not our customs. These are not our ways of relating to God. Imagine being in that kind of captivity. And that is where we're going to launch out of this morning in understanding our text today. A long time ago, the people of God, the people of God began to stray from him. And it's also almost mind-boggling to think the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, it's also almost amazing to even consider that people could walk away from him, but they did. The God who parted the Red Seas, the God who sent a deliverer for them when they were in bondage to Egypt, the God who had done so much for them, the God who gave them a land of their own after wandering in the desert, the God who defeated all of the the Amorites and Hittites and Jebusites and all the other ites who were in the, the promised land, and it gave Israel this home. It's mind-boggling to think that they would begin to wander from the one true God who had been so good to them. But over time, they begin, believe it or not, to worship idols. They built these high places outside of town, outside of Jerusalem. And they would kind of think, well, it's good to sort of do what we're doing for God in the temple. But... We just want to cover our bases. (laughs) Some of these other people who live nearby, they're praying to some other gods, and this one's in the shape of a bird, and this one's in the shape of of an animal, and well, maybe we should cover our bases, and we're going to build a little high place monument up here for this god, and another one for that one, and we're going to worship there, and we're going to worship there, and pretty soon we're just going to consider God, who we call God, (laughs) Yahweh, we're going to consider him just one of many gods. 
Can you believe that? And God, in his loving kindness, would speak to his people, and he would send prophets to his people, and he would say, turn back, turn back. What are you doing? See, I've told you that I would be your God, and you would be my people, but you have no other gods before me. And they wandered, and they strayed, and they disobeyed God. And over time, they began to just worship stone and wood and not the one true God. Even in the beautiful, ornate, amazing temple of Solomon that was built, even with the Ark of the Covenant there, they were worshiping other gods. And God in his perfect parenting disciplined his children. And he raised up an army out of Babylon You've heard of King Nebuchadnezzar? And God picked up Babylon like a tool, a spanking tool. And he arranged for Babylon to come in and defeat Israel and to take his people captive and take them back to Babylon. That's what I was referring to, a foreign land, foreign ways, foreign language, foreign people. They were captives after defeat. Persia came in and defeated Babylon And the king of Persia has now got all these Israelites (laughs) that God arranged for Babylon to take captive. And in the plan of God and in the mercy of God, you see the opportunity for the people of God to come out of captivity. We're going to start there this morning in the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra, it's going to come on the screen if you didn't bring a copy of the scriptures this morning. But in Ezra chapter 1, I want you to see some of these verses here about now what's going to happen with the Persian king who's taken over Babylon and he's got all these Israelites. Look at what God has done in his heart. It's up on your screen here. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia. The Lord moved the heart of of the conquering king who was now sort of the the one who sort of owned all the people of Israel. God moved in his heart to make a proclamation throughout his realm and to also put it in writing. And here's what the proclamation said. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. And if any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Check this out. Let's take a time out right there. Does that sound familiar to any of you? When the people of Israel were delivered out of Egypt and Pharaoh was forced to let them go, the, the people of Israel were able to plunder Egypt on their way out and take all this stuff with them. And here they are in captivity way over in Babylon, and God has moved in the heart of the king of Persia to let them go and to fill their pockets with all they need to build a new temple. Let's finish up this passage. The next verse says, 
Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All of their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with valuable gifts in addition to all the freewill offerings. What I want you to hear in this is God can do anything. He can move the heart of a foreign king and affect the ways of the world. This morning, we're going to pick up specifically, the main text we're going to look at is in Ezra chapter 3, starting in verse 10. So if you're in your copy of the scriptures, scroll down or flip over to chapter 3, verse 10. So the people have left Babylon. They've gotten all the stuff. And now here they are back in Jerusalem. When they get there, they find ruins. I want you to picture ruins for a moment. Think about the movies you've seen where where people have come back in. Nobody has been in this area occupying the temple, occupying the buildings in about 52 years. And it's just stone piled on stone and grass has grown up. You've had some other people's move in and just start living as squatters in some of the building. They're just sort of building a fire in the corner of what used to be an ornate, uh, important building. And they're just sort of squatting there, living there. They're making the most. It's just in ruins. The people come back. Verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord... The priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites, who were the sons of Asaph, with their cymbals, they took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. Verse 11. And with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And when you dig into the Hebrew here, you learn that that what they were doing was a call and response. Part of the group would say, he is good. And the other people would respond with, his love toward Israel endures forever. Why in the world would they be singing this song of thanksgiving? Because they had been captives. And now they're set free. And now they're back in their home. And not only are they back in their home, but the king who owned the place where they were conquered and captive and taken captive gave them all that they needed to build the temple, to rebuild the temple. They've come back to the ruins and it started. They've started laying the foundation. God is good. God is good to let them rebuild. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good, his love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the, of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid While many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. Look at that passage with me together. 
Many of the older priests and Levites, it had been about 52 years since the temple had been destroyed. No one had been there in a long time. These would have been the people who were probably at least 60, 70, 80 years old in the area. And they remembered the former temple of Solomon before their captivity in Babylon. They remembered the beauty of it, the glory of it. They remembered the greatness of it. But not just that, they remembered what happened They remembered the words of Jeremiah, a prophet who came to them. We'll get to some scripture there later. They remembered some words of his when he said, turn back, stop worshiping false gods, or God's going to discipline you. God's going to punish you. Turn back. And they didn't listen, and God brought the punishment. And they were in captivity, and now they're back. Oh my goodness. Look how kind and merciful our God is. to let us come back and rebuild. You had the sound of joy from the younger folks. They had just been in captivity, right? (laughs) They're like, this is awesome. This is amazing. This is so cool. We were just in Babylon, and then we got to take all the money on our way out for everything we need. Now we're here. We're starting something new. This is incredible. But then you had the older folks who remember why all this happened. And their hearts were broken. Oh, I wish that we didn't even have to have a new temple. I wish that we had the old temple. I wish that we hadn't had to have the discipline of God on us. And here we are, and I cannot believe that God is so gracious to us to give us another opportunity to know him and enjoy him. So you have the sound of joy and the sound of weeping. And look what it says. It it says, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping. It was going on at the the same time while they were giving thanks. While they were singing. While they were shouting, there was weeping. And the sound was heard far away. This morning, I want us to dig in a little bit to this idea of thanksgiving and gratitude that can sometimes come from a place of shouts of joy and, sh- and gratitude that can sometimes come from a place of weeping and all of it can be giving thanks to God. I put together a little chart for you to, sh- to show you this morning. It's going to be on the screen for a little while. We'll come back and forth to it a little bit, but But let's kind of walk through this together and sort of dig in and understand what was going on in the hearts of the people. Those who were given a sound of joy, they were probably thinking things like, it didn't seem possible. (laughs) We were in a foreign land. We were captives. We didn't get to go where we wanted to go, do what we wanted to do. We, We were property of some people. Oh my goodness, we are back home. And the temple's going back up. God is awesome. I didn't think it was possible. That's the kind of gratitude they're bringing. And the sound of weeping is, I know what I deserved. People who had seen the former temple, they're the ones who know that God was right to bring the discipline upon the people with the evading army. They know what they deserved. And their heart of gratitude is like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe the mercy of God. Because I remember how beautiful it was and I'm now looking at ruins that we're trying to rebuild and I know why. 
I know what I deserve. Those who are bringing a a sound of joy, their gratitude is mixed with boldness. Did you see what our God did? Our God moved the heart of the king of Persia. That's what our God can do. Our God can do anything. So we are back in Jerusalem. So everybody else, hold on. Our God is on the move. And those who were bringing a sound of weeping, their gratitude was mixed with a little regret. I'm thankful to be here, but I wish we didn't have to go through what we just went through. I wish we had listened to the prophets. I wish we had followed closely with the Lord. I wish we had destroyed those high places of false idol worship when we were told to. I wish that we didn't have to experience the loss and the heartbreak and the disaster and the captivity and the bondage. I'm so grateful to be here. But I know why we're here. And I know why we were there. Those in the sounds of joy were just thinking, man, our God is so powerful. Look what he can do. And those who are bringing the sound of weeping thinking our God is so merciful. But there's gratitude in in both of them. There's, There's gratitude in both of them. Thank you, God, for being so powerful. Thank you, God, for being so merciful. I want us to look for a moment at some of those warnings from the book of Jeremiah. The first one is going to come up here in Jeremiah chapter 3. Here's a warning of the prophet Jeremiah uh, uh, to God's people. He said, God said to him, go and proclaim this message toward the north. Return faithless Israel. This is before the captivity, before Babylon came in. Return faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will frown on you no longer, for I am faithful, declares the Lord. And I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. You have rebelled against the Lord your God. You have scattered your favors to foreign gods under every spreading tree and have not obeyed me, declares the Lord. Let's look at the next one. God says this of his people. They have lied about the Lord. They said he will do nothing. No harm will come to us. We will never see sword or famine The prophets are but wind, and the word is not in them. So let what they say be done to them. Therefore, this is what the Lord God Almighty says. Because the people have spoken these words, time out, what are the words they spoke? God will never punish us for worshiping false things. God will never punish us for disobeying him. We'll never experience the sword or famine. Because the people have spoken these words, I will make my words in your mouth, Jeremiah, a fire, and these people, the wood, it consumes. People of Israel, declares the Lord, I am bringing a distant nation against you, an ancient and enduring nation, a people whose language you do not know, whose speech you do not understand, and their quivers, let's talk about where their arrows are, their military might, their quivers are like an open grave. All of them are mighty warriors. 
And they will devour your harvests and food, devour your sons and daughters. They will devour your flocks and herds, devour your vines and fig trees. And with a sword, they will destroy the fortified cities in which you trust. Yet even in those days, declares the Lord, I will not destroy you completely. And when the people ask, why has the Lord our God done all this to us? You will tell them, as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your own land, so now you will serve foreigners in a land not your own. The people weeping at the rebuilding of the temple, the people weeping as they give thanks, those people are remembering the words of Jeremiah that God warned us, he warned us, he warned us. He was so kind to wave us off. Stop worshiping the false gods. Stop worshiping the false gods. And we wouldn't listen. So the army came and the quivers emptied and the people fell and the buildings fell and we were captured and taken to a land not our own. But now God's brought us back. How great is the mercy of the Lord for stubborn people. How great is the mercy of the Lord for rebellious people. Let's go back to our chart. That's what's in the mind of those who are weeping. Our God is so merciful. For those with sounds of joy, they're thinking, wow, God is doing something new. Look at that. The old ruins are being built upon. God is doing something new. Man, we were conquered by Babylon, but God has set us free. He has rescued us. God's amazing. God is doing something new. And then also, the people who were weeping in their gratitude to God, we're thinking, oh, God is doing something new. On the ashes of my rebellion, God is doing something new. On the rubble heap of my stubborn disobedience, God is doing something new. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Our God is good. And his love endures forever. He's doing something new. And as I was writing this this week and thinking about you guys, I was so gripped by this passage. I love for POH, for People of Hope Church. If you're new with us today, we're not even four months old yet as a church. We are just getting started. And for some of us, we're in a place of just going, wow, God is amazing. He is doing something new. There are shouts of joy. And there are others of us who are coming out of situations that were hard, out of other churches that were hard, out of moments that were really dark and difficult. And we're in the same mode, but with a little bit more toward the tears of thinking, wow, thank you, God, out of dark, bitter tasting, ugly, hard, difficult things, you are doing something new. Glory to your name. And for people of Hope Church, let the sound of our gratitude to God include both. Shouts of joy and grateful weeping. Can you try to picture that moment among the ruins? The people have been back in the area for not too long. They were just getting all the instruments together and finding the priestly garments and 
putting those together and sewing those and built, making those and getting everything ready. They were finding the documents that, that they needed to find to know what the, the, the rituals were and the procedures were for the, for the worship of God in his temple. And they were finding how they should do all those things and the songs they should sing and the words they should speak. They were finding it all in that time. And finally, they, they get it ready. But even on that day as they're laying the foundation, the temple's not finished. It's just a few blocks on the old foundation among the weeds and ruins. But can you just imagine them in that moment going, hold on. God is so good. His love endures forever. And they're singing that back and forth to each other. And then there's shouts of joy. And then there's weeping. The shouts of joy are loud. And the weeping is loud. It is so noisy of joyful weeping. Joy and weeping. Joy and weeping. All in gratitude to God. It is so loud that it is heard far away. One more little piece here on this dual experience going on, I thought about the Lord's Supper. When you and I take the Lord's Supper, there's a little bit of joy and a little bit of grief all in the same time. There's some joy there because we think about, wow, as I take the Lord's Supper, as I eat the bread and drink the cup, I think about the love of God and the rescue he's brought to me through the gift of his son, Jesus. Because God so loved us that he sent his son on a mission to be the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice to pay for the guilt of your sin and my sin. Jesus died and paid for your debt in full, paid for your guilt in full. God raised him from the dead. We celebrate the supper, this Lord's Supper, the eating of the bread, which represents his body. We drink the cup, which represents his blood. We do this because Jesus asks us to do this until he returns. But as we do so, there is a little bit of, yes, love and rescue. But at the same time, there's also a whole lot of, yes, thank you, God, love and mercy. Because I know what I deserved. I know what I deserved. I deserve the one, to be the one punished for my sins, and yet you punished him who had no sin. I deserve to be the one to drink the cup of your wrath, but I couldn't. And so the only one worthy, Jesus, did it for me. I feel so loved by the kindness, the mercy, the grace of God. I know what I deserved. For those of you who are in rough days right now, for those of you who are in hard circumstances, maybe even your own sense of, man, I just feel like my life's in a pit right now. It's in a dark place, a dark spot, a dark situation. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today that God is faithful to restore his people, even his rebellious people. And I want to say to you something with certainty, that if you belong to Jesus, that God will restore what has been lost and ruined and stolen. He might do it on this earth, but he will certainly do it in eternity. I'm telling you with certainty that our God will restore what sin has ruined. Our God will restore what sin has robbed from you. Our God will do that. 
I can't promise you it'll happen tomorrow. I can't promise you it'll happen while you breathe air on this earth. But I will tell you, there will come a day when God makes all things right and he will restore to you what was lost. So hold on, hold on, hold on. I kind of want to wrap us up this morning with three thoughts about gratitude. Why gratitude to God is good for our hearts. I hope you had a moment to give thanks around Thanksgiving and maybe you looked around the table at family or friends and you were just thinking, man, God, you are so good to me. Thank you, God. Why is gratitude good for our hearts? Let me give you these three things. Here's the first one. Gratitude to God keeps us humble. Gratitude to God keeps us humble. And here's why. Because you and I are not self-made. Gratitude to God keeps us humble because we are not self-made. Gratitude to God. Stopping to give thanks. Going along. Look at the people. They didn't finish the temple. They just got the foundation laid. And they were singing shouts. They were singing songs of thanks to God. We need to remember to stop and give thanks to God because that job you have, that amazing opportunity you have at your work, you didn't make that happen. God made that happen. That house you enjoy living in right now, uh, that's not something that you finagled. That is, that is the provision of God for you and your family. That relationship that you have right now that fills up the bucket of your soul, that, that, that's not because you worked it out. That's because God provided that in his timing. Gratitude to God keeps us humble because we continue to thank him in detail. That's so key. We thank him in detail. Not just thank you, Lord. Appreciate it. But we count our blessings. We thank him in detail. We enumerate all the many ways that God has shown us kindness and favor and blessing. Everything from the air we breathe down to the people in our world, the opportunities for influence he's given us, and everything in between. Please, praise God, for the sunset that'll happen this evening. Give him gratitude for that, but also for the heater that's gonna keep you warm, for the one who holds your hand, for the one who sits near you, for the one who takes care of you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And all that we have is from his hand. True? Gratitude to God keeps us humble. Number two, gratitude to God keeps us undistracted. Gratitude to God keeps us undistracted. Here's what I mean for this. If we're not careful, we will begin to love the gifts more than we love the giver. If we're not careful, we, we will just begin to say, oh God, I need this, I need this, oh, I need this. Okay, great, great, I got it. And we'll just need, we'll just start to look at God as, as a resource being. And we'll just look at God, I thank you for this, I thank you for this. But, we, but if, we're not, if we're not practicing gratitude, we'll begin to love the gifts more than we love the giver. And so when you practice gratitude to God, when you give thanks, sometimes with shouts of joy and sometimes with weeping, when you do that, 
It keeps you undistracted by the things. I love that I have this, but I love that I have you more. Be reminded, dear ones, that the treasure of heaven is not streets of gold. It is Jesus. The treasure of heaven is that we will see him and be with him. Practicing gratitude keeps that clear. Undistracted by stuff, even people. I thank you, Lord, for my wife. She's amazing, she's wonderful. But more than that, I'm so thankful to know you. Number three, the last one. Gratitude to God glorifies him. Gratitude to God glorifies him. This is when we give God credit for his greatness and goodness before a watching world. The last part of the text there in in Ezra chapter three, the last part of the text says that the noise was so loud of their gratitude in shouts and their gratitude in weeping. The noise was so loud, it could be heard far away. And I'm calling you people of hope to practice gratitude on a daily basis so that the people you bump into throughout your day, they hear you giving glory to God. So when someone says to you, way to go, you are quick to bring a gentle, non-cheesy, non-awkward, but just a gentle word. It's like, I, thanks for saying that. It's really only possible because my God is so strong and amazing. Let's make the noise of our gratitude heard far away. In the little things You're so good at that. I just credit God for that. We don't thank God to pump up his ego. He doesn't need it. We don't thank God because God's feeling like we take him for granted. God's over there like I gave him all kinds of stuff and they haven't even said thank you. That's not our God. Our God is perfectly confident in his supreme self-sufficiency. And he doesn't need you or me to make him feel better about himself. God doesn't need a pat on the back. He doesn't need to be appreciated. What you and I need to do as a practice of our gratitude, though, is is throughout our day, with everybody we're around, keep pointing to God. Don't look at me and say, I'm great. He's great. And I want to be grateful. Everything I have is from him. Everything I enjoy is because of him. Everything that's been provided for me, every door that's been opened for me is because of him. And I just want, with a little word, with a little note, I want to credit God. I want to credit God and practice gratitude. Give thanks, people of God. And by the way, while we're there, Maybe God brought us through Ezra and Jeremiah today for some of you who've wandered from the Lord and you're worshiping false things and you're involved in ungodliness. Maybe you need to hear the voice of the Lord say, listen, I am a faithful parent and I will discipline you. So don't think that, that discipline won't come upon you. Don't think that I, that I will not come 
to your life if you are in disobedience. Maybe you need to hear that today. And maybe you would hear the voice of the Lord say, turn back. Turn back. Please turn back. But for the rest of us, let's be men and women of gratitude. Amen? Sometimes with shouts of joy. Because our God is awesome. And sometimes with weeping. Because we really know what we deserve. Let's pray. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment? Would you just take a moment to give thanks to God? Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Give thanks to the Lord. His mercy is new every morning. His grace is bottomless. Give thanks to the Lord. And some of you have squandered some things in your life, some years of your life, and you know what you deserve, but God's doing a new thing in you. God's given you opportunity. God's blessing you. Give thanks to the Lord with weeping that God has been so kind to not turn his back on you, to love you, to welcome you, to provide for you. And others of you, you've been in a pit this year. God's delivered you. You didn't think it was possible, but God has. Give thanks to the Lord. God, thank you for this reminder today. We want to be noisy with our gratitude. Grow us into that. We thank you for Jesus, who is our hope. In his name we pray, amen.